<clears throat> Y'all pray for me. I need some prayer. I do good. I start getting better every week, and then I have to mow. And, uh, and that just messes everything up. So uh, it, was, it was funny. I was mowing yesterday, and... Um, Oh man, I'm out there and I got a mask on because I mean, it really does. It messes me up without taking, uh, I've been on allergy medicine for years and uh, I can, I can drive by if I haven't had my medicine in a little while, um, I can drive by somebody that is mowing and be in a car that has got all the windows up and the AC on and I can drive by somebody's mowing and all of a sudden I'll be sneezing and coughing and everything else. This is how bad I got it. I guess I was made to stay indoors. I don't know. Uh, that's a problem though, because I really like the outdoors. And so uh, yesterday I'm outside mowing. I've, I've had, you know, I take my allergy medicine and everything and I am outside mowing. I've got, I've got one of those, uh, you know, K, uh, whatever they call them, the KN95, you know, uh, back before COVID, you could find them and people, you could find them in a hardware store. People would wear them while they were mowing or something, you know, and uh, thankfully you can get them back again. But I uh, uh, got one of those masks on outside on the mower and I'm just sneezing my head off. And that's with the mask on and taking allergy medicine. So uh, I felt like I was getting a little bit better and then I mowed yesterday and it's all went downhill again. So uh, y'all pray for my, me. I ended up taking two different allergy medicines. I got up this morning and, and uh, I, I took, uh, took something from an inhaler and, and uh, well, here I am. So we'll see what happens. Um, <clears throat> my voice hasn't completely gone. It has, uh, it has been trying to leave me for a few weeks, but thankfully I've not lost it. So uh, y'all, y'all just keep praying for me. And uh, we'll get through this season. I mean it when I say winter is my favorite season. You know why? Everything outside is dead. <laughs> when everything outside gets dead, Jonathan can go out and take a breath of fresh air and it don't bother him. And uh, that's bad, ain't it? That's horrible to have, yeah, deal with all that. But uh, anyways, I, I am domesticated, I guess. So, uh, But y'all pray for me. First John chapter 5, if you found your place in the Word of God, stand uh, in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God, if you're able and willing to. And we'll read some verses here and get into the message. <clears throat> First John chapter number 5, verse number 6 says this says, this is, he, <clears throat> this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth on God hath made him a liar. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God giveth to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray pray that you would bless the reading of your word this morning, God. I pray that you would bless this message that you've given me, God. I pray that you would help me to preach. 
This morning, God, I pray that you would anoint me from on high, get my flesh out of the way, and God, just uh, use me as a hollow, hollow vessel through which you can speak your word. Father, God, I pray that you would uh, help everyone today under the sound of my voice, whether they're online, whether they're in the uh, sanctuary here. Father, I pray that you would open their ears to the instruction of your word. I pray that you would help us, God, give us exactly what we stand most in need of today. Father, speak to our hearts. Uh, Father, may we leave different than we arrived today. Father, we love you. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the testimonies, Father. Thank you for everything that you have done for us already. And God, I pray that you would continue to be in the service and help us, God, as we look into your perfect uh, word this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> now, the Bible teaches us that a uh, that the Christian has a no so salvation, and the Bible teaches us that one of the ways that we know that is by the witness of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, we've been studying 1 John for a while. We usually do this on Sunday nights, but when I was studying this portion of Scripture, God just kind of pushed me to uh, to preach this uh, during the morning service today and not wait until tonight. So I, I'm just trying my best to be obedient to Him, but we've been in the book of 1 John on Sunday nights for several weeks, and uh, the Bible uh, tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 24, that uh, it says, He that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Now, uh, I want you to know that the word know is used 32 times in the book of 1 John. We can know beyond any shadow of doubt that we are a child of God. In any age of doubt, <clears throat> in an age of doubt, uncertainty, and insecurity, I want you to know for the child of God, there is a certainty today. To say I know is not prideful. It's not presumptuous. It's a promise from the word of God. It's a promise from almighty God himself that we know that we have eternal life. And uh, <clears throat> there's a word that occurs six times in, uh, in these verses of our text, and it is the word witness. Now, the same Greek word for witness or translated witness is also translated testify, testimony, or record. And if you count those words, which are all uh, the same Greek word, then that word for witness shows up 10 times in these handful of verses I just read to you. And this is important to understand because God is trying to tell us something important, something that will help us. And uh, this Greek Greek word translated witness or testify or testimony or record is referencing to the witness of the Holy Spirit of God to let you know indeed that you are a child of God. And what we find in this text is a threefold witness of the Holy Spirit. And now, if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, and I hope you have, uh, there's a verse there that tells us that a threefold cord is is not easily broken. And I'll go ahead and say this morning that a threefold witness of the Holy Spirit cannot be broken today. Hallelujah. And so I want to take a look at this threefold witness that we have in these verses. Number one, I want you to know that uh, we see that the Holy Spirit witnessed to the Son. It's a witness to the Son. Look in verse number six. The Bible says, 
This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. So we see here that the spirit witnesses to the son by the commencement of his ministry. Verse six at the very beginning says this. It tells us that Jesus came by water. Does it not? It says this is he that came by water. This speaks to the commencement of his ministry. Yes, I know that Jesus had a supernatural birth as he was born of a virgin, but he was born in the same manner as you and I were born. And in other words, when the water breaks, it's time for the baby to come, right? All right, well, Jesus had a physical birth into this world. But what I believe John is stating right here is that Jesus, when he says Jesus came by water, I believe it, I believe it refers to the beginning of or the commencement of his public ministry. Jesus came to the Jordan and was baptized in the water by John the Baptist. And Marvin Vincent wrote this. He said, water refers to the Christ to Christ's baptism at the beginning of his messianic work through which he declared his purpose to fulfill all righteousness. If you recall back in Matthew chapter number three, I'll just read it here. Starting in verse number 13, the Bible says, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? I tell you, I'd have said the same thing, wouldn't y'all? I'd be like, whoa, Jesus, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We need to reverse roles right here. You, the one that needs to be baptizing. And so that's what John said to him, though. And uh, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. In other words, John gave in to him. And uh, verse 16 in Matthew 3 says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so the Holy Spirit, I believe here and that this is what John is writing about. Uh, the Holy Spirit testifies in the coming of Jesus and the commencement of his ministry. The Spirit of God is still at work today, testifying to the work of the Son of God. And the Spirit to the Son uh, witnesses to the Son, not only by the commencement, this is why I believe this, he says here, the words say, this is he that came by water and blood. And so and we have uh, the commencement of his ministry with the water, but we have the completion of his ministry by the blood. Let me tell you what I mean. It says, it goes on in verse 6, 1 John 5, 6, and it goes on and it says, not by water only, but by water and blood. Now, Jesus was committed to finishing His work. We know that, but we know that because the Spirit bears witness to it. And what's the verse say? The Spirit is truth. If you, uh, if you go over to John chapter number 16, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says this, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. The Spirit testifies to the work of the Son. I want 
want you to know that uh, when we look through the life of Christ, he started his ministry in Jordan and he completed he started his ministry in the Jordan. He completed his ministry in Jerusalem. He started his ministry with a public display of submission. He completed his ministry with a public display of sacrifice. He started his ministry uh, by submitting to baptism and he completed his ministry by shedding his blood. And so John writes here and he says, this is he that came by water and by blood. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. Hey, the Lord Jesus was true man. Blood flowed from his veins, but not the blood of Joseph, not the blood of Mary, but the blood of God. Right? That's even how it works physically, right? And so uh, the Lord Jesus was true man, but He was also true God. He did not become God at birth. He did not become God at His baptism. He was co-equal, co-eternal with the Father. Jesus has always been, just like the Spirit has always been, just like the Father has always been. Well, preacher, I don't understand. Where do you pick up on that at? All the way back in Genesis. All through, where do we find the Trinity first in the Bible? All through Genesis, the account of creation. Oh, we're all up on pronouns these days, right? So go through Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and read your pronouns. Us, we. What's it referring to? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They've always existed. God is a Trinity. If He wasn't a Trinity, He wouldn't be God. I ain't got it all figured out, but I know what I'm telling you is true because it's what the Bible teaches. Oh, you can try to explain it. I've tried to explain it by looking at our bodies. We're, we're, we're body, soul, and spirit. And all through the Bible, we find that things are made up by threes. Even in science and physics, we find that things are made up by threes. And, and God is a wonderful mathematician. But I, I can't dwell on all that. We've got to keep going this morning. But the thing is, uh, he's, uh, Jesus was true man and Jesus was true God and, uh, and his blood must be shed. Why? Because his blood is the only pure blood that has ever been on this earth. It was absolutely sinless blood. It was, as the Bible says, precious blood. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus had to die. If Jesus did not die, then we would not have a perfect sacrifice. We would not have that precious blood and we would all be doomed to go to a devil's hell. The debt must be paid by blood because the Bible tells us in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's no forgiveness of sin. Not baptism, not sacrament, not church membership. Nothing you can do will save you apart from faith in Jesus Christ. It's still the blood. The old hymn, Rock of Ages, says this, Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. And so we have 
right off the bat here in verse number 6, we have the Holy Spirit witnessing to the Son when it says He came by water and by blood. But let's look on. We also find that the Holy Spirit, that was number one, the Holy Spirit witnessed to the Son, but we also have the Holy Spirit witnessing in the saint. Look in verse number 7 with me. Down through verse number 10, the Bible says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And, and by the way, I love the way that's worded. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Well, why didn't it say Son? The Son is the Word. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. Where did Jesus come from? Where did Jesus start? I done told you. I mean, he's always been. Then John 1, 1 comes around, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. You skip on down toward the end of that chapter, and it says the Word became flesh. Well, who was that? That was Jesus Christ. And so here in 1 John 5, I love it. Three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. That just props all of that back up. I love the Bible. Oh, and look, and these three are one. Trinity, once again. And verse 8 says, And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which He hath testified of His Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in Himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. So here we go. We have a the Holy Spirit witnesses in the saint. It says it right there in verse number 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. What is the witness? The witness is the Spirit. I already mentioned that. The Spirit of God testifies in the saint about the sureness and the agreement of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. The agreement of the testimony in heaven is sure and the agreement of the testimony on earth is sure. Our one God in three persons bears witness in heaven and they are in agreement. Verse 9 says, He hath testified of His Son. Well, Hebrews 10.15 says this, whereof the Holy Ghost is also a witness to us. Now, y'all pay attention right here, okay? Verse 9 says, He testified of His Son. All right, Hebrews 10.15 says that the Holy Ghost is a witness to us. All right, well, uh, He bears witness to us in the facts of the Gospel. Now, in Romans 8.16, we see this, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He bears witness with us as to the faith of the Gospel. Do you see the progression there? The Holy Spirit is a busy, 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 busy spirit. He's bearing witness to us. He's bearing with us. There's a progression. And the Holy Spirit presents you with the gospel. The Holy Spirit gives you an opportunity to hear the facts of the gospel message. And so down in your heart, there is a desire by faith to receive, to believe the facts about Jesus Christ in your heart. All of that is the work of the Holy Spirit. No man would be saved had the Holy Spirit not drawn him. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. Don't be thinking I'm a Calvinist up in here. I'm a Bible believer, not a Calvinist. 
I don't believe in limited atonement or, you know. I do believe what the Bible says, though. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit must draw, but at the same time, He also says He's drawn all men. Then it says, whosoever. So, yeah, I can't get off on that either. That's not part of the message this morning. But here's the thing. He bears witness to us a faith, and that faith is real saving faith. Let me put it this way. He witnesses to us what? Facts. He witnesses with us faith. And here comes the third part. Because it's all threes. He witnesses in us feelings. There's a progression. And that part is from 1 John 5.10. Look what it says. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. First it's to, then it's with, then it's in. Does that make any sense? Where's the witness? In himself. That's where feelings come in. There's a poem written by Martin Luther that reads this. He says this. For feelings come and go, or for feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. Though all my heart should feel condemned for want of some sweet token, there is one greater than my heart whose word cannot be broken. I'll trust in God's unchanging word till soul and body sever. For though all things shall pass away, his word shall stand forever. And you know, you know what the problem is in our day, though? We've got a lot of people that are trying to get saved on feelings, but it does not work that way. I mentioned a progression to you all ago. It starts with the facts of the gospel. That's the witness to us. Then the faith of the gospel. That's the witness with us. And then, then it's the feeling of the gospel. That's the witness in us. Threefold witness of the Spirit. Believing is the root and feeling is the fruit. We got it all turned backwards though. I'm reading a book on youth ministry and, and, and one of the things that he was, the, the, the author is writing about, he was talking about, he was like, yeah, he's like, we have a big, yeah. don't think I'm making any blank, blanket statements, but he's so true. He's like, yes, we get a big youth meeting together. We have a lot of people. We get people drummed up in emotions. They got 15 kids that go to the altar that get saved for the 15th time because all their friends are down there and we've drummed up a bunch of emotions. We need true salvation. What's the problem? Why does that happen? Because people are emotional and we run with our feelings. We should run with our facts. You know why we have a lot of people that say they're saved, but yet they don't live the Christian life and they don't come to church and they don't care nothing about God, but yet they can take you back to a time and place. They've got faith in that time and place, see, but they ain't got no faith in Jesus. That's a problem. How did they get that way? Because they put their emotions up front and they drive with the emotions. But that's not how the Bible works. It has to begin with facts. It's all right here. I'm not making it up. This is not my opinion of how things should work. This is how the Bible works. Somebody needs to say it because there's a lot of people that's trying to get to heaven on their emotions and it will not go. There is a place for emotions. And that place is not in front of facts. And that place is not in front of faith. 
I hope that makes sense. Sometimes I read, I read and I try to put stuff in and I'm just like, man, I hope they get what I'm trying to give. This is utterly important to us. This is why we have so many people that, that won't come to church and, and here we are, we're in a nation where you can read articles on how people are more spiritual than they have ever been in history. But then the very next article is talking about the great falling away from Christianity. Well, how do you explain that? Emotion. People in general are very spiritual. And just following the wrong spirit. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart to see how deceived people are. I watched a man last night. He's got thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. As a matter of fact, you go home and figure out who it is if you just look up the world's most wealthy televangelist. Actually, he may be number two. I can't remember. No, anyways, there's two devils that's top two. Anyways, he's one of them. But I watched one of his messages. Now here's the problem. Within six minutes, okay, so he's talking, he's walking around stage, and he's talking, he's telling these people that are following him, they're not following God, they're following him. He's telling them about how he rebuked his gray hair. He rebuked his gray hair. This man's like 86, by the way, or 85, 86, something like that. He rebuked his gray hair and said, don't you do it in the name of Jesus. You're going to be black. So what he, I mean, he's, he's on stage. He's telling all this. And these people are soaking it up. They're just, it's <laughs> wonderful. Praise the Lord. Your hair is black. I accept my gray hairs gracefully. I also accept my baldness gracefully. Anyways. Well, he wasn't going to have it, apparently. He wasn't going to have no gray hair. And he ain't got no gray hair. If the hair he's wearing is actually his, I don't know. But he ain't got no gray hair. So he's telling his people, and they're just eating it up. They're just soaking it all up. Just, oh, yes, yes. And he's telling people how he rebuked his hair, and his hair turned black right in front of his eyes. I mean, just, just it's no longer gray. It's, it's black. I don't do anything to it. Okay, six and a half minutes into that message. I don't know what that's got to do with the gospel message. Six and a half minutes into it. He's telling them about how he had to go have a pacemaker put in his heart. Six and a half minutes later. And he's telling them about how he's telling that pacemaker. You're going to work right. You're going to beat right. You're going to do right. And I'm sitting back here going, why are thousands upon thousands of thousands and thousands of your followers not going back saying, well, hey, if he can turn his hair black, why can't he tell his heart to pump right? <laughs> Makes sense, right? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you something, food for, food for thought. This is food for life, Okay. Never trust a faith healer 
that wears glasses and has their finger in a splint or has a pacemaker. I mean, goodness gracious, if they can heal everybody else, why couldn't they fix themselves? And yet, there are tens and hundreds of thousands of people that eat it up. And they never ask any questions. And they think they're following Christ. And it's sad. It's sad. Now, you hear these things. I mean, it's funny. I, I'm just sitting back laughing. Like, I can watch these guys preach, and I'm just, I, I just sit back and laugh. But then when I get to thinking about these people, and I'm just like, dragging all these people to hell. And how do we get like a howler of so many people to see? Because they are looking for something emotional. Did y'all know that there's another huge awakening revival going on down in Georgia? This one hasn't been quite as publicized as the one did up in Pennsylvania. You know what they were doing the other night? They brought a pool out in the middle of the church. And they said that God was disturbing those waters like He did back in the Bible. And all these people just started just jumping into the pool and they were what they wanted to do is baptize themselves seven times, you know. You see all these people are just shaking. You got the big band playing in the background. They're just shaking. Oh, this is so heavenly. This is so wonderful. No, it is emotionalism. We have a spiritual nation. We have people that are spiritual, but they are not following the proper and the correct spirit. And it's sad. Get your facts right. Get your faith right. Your feelings will be right. That's the Bible order. That's the progression. Nobody is telling these people that. I got to move on. Starts with the facts of the gospel and the witness to us. And then it's the faith of the gospel with the witness with us. And then it's the feeling of the gospel, which is the witness in us. I'm going to tell you something. I didn't know all God did for me when he saved me. But the more I learn, the more I read, the greater my feelings become toward him. In other words, I just love him more and more. And that's what it's all about. That's what Bible study is about. That's what it ought to drive us to be closer and closer and closer to our Savior. Hey, let me show you this. <laughs> I love this. First John 5, 7. I want you to notice in verse number 7, the Father thought it, the Word taught it, the Spirit wrought it. Back in verse 6, guess what? The son bought it. And then if you read in verse 12 and 13, I caught it. Hallelujah. There's first that's the whole message right there, okay? That's where your, fa your facts, your faith, and your feelings come in at. The Holy Spirit witnesses to the son. He came by water and by blood. The Holy Spirit witnesses in the saint. He witnesses to us 
To us the facts, with us the faith, and in us the feelings. Then thirdly, we find the Holy Spirit witness through the Scripture. Look in verse number 11. The Bible says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know what we find right here? We find the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and producing children of God in the likeness of the Son of God. Yeah. Verse 7 or verse 11 says this is the record. Verse 13 says these things. Well, what things? The record, the witness unto you that believe. Why do we have all this? That ye may know that ye have eternal life. You see, the source of eternal life in verse 11 is God. And the life God gives is in his son. That means that apart from Jesus Christ, there is no life. So the question this morning is, do you have life? Do you have Jesus? Are you saved? If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. If you have Jesus, then honey, you have life. And then we find the surety of eternal life in verse 12 is found in what? These things have I written. Isn't it wonderful that God promised us and then put it in a book? He gave it to us. He told us through His Word. Mm. Lehman Strauss wrote this. He said, The child of God can be certain about his past sins, his present sufficiency, and his prospective security. This is having a knowing faith, and it grows out of a saving faith. The purpose of the Scripture here is to let the child of God know that they have eternal life. In 1789, Benjamin Franklin wrote, Nothing is certain but death and taxes. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. We're all going to die and we all got to pay taxes. That's for sure, ain't it? But you know what? There is something greater. There is something of greater certainty than death and taxes this morning. If you don't know the Lord Jesus or that you're, or maybe <clears throat> this morning you're not sure that you would go to heaven when you die, listen, you can be sure. Don't let nobody lead you astray. You can be sure. You can be sure. Brother Elmo was talking about a, a, a man that he knew or a preacher or uh, they wouldn't, the, the church that he was part of wouldn't ordain him until, until he uh, learned how to speak in tongues. It's another one I laugh at, but it's kind of pitiful at the same time. You, you know what we're guilty of doing a lot of times? I was talking to a brother about this on Thursday. We was talking about that verse in Revelation where, where God, God tells us in Revelation that, that man that takes away from these words or adds to these words, he'll, uh, he'll be, yeah, he'll have, <laughs> he'll have his part in the lake. But uh, we was talking about that. You know, so many people, so many people, and I understand the application. I totally do. Talk about changing words in the Bible. Talk about adding two things, and absolutely I agree with that. But there's another angle on that. There's another side of that. I believe it's also a message to these people that try to 
They may have the right Bible, but yet they add things and take away things from the gospel. Does that make sense to y'all? We was just sitting around having a cup of coffee and was talking about it. And I told him, I said, yeah, I said, but I think there's another application with that too. I said, I don't think it just pertains to a literal word. I think it's for these people that are preaching a false gospel. I think it's for these people that say, well, here's the gospel, but you got to do this or you got to do that. I remember a man asked me, man asked me when I got ordained, he said, what are you going to do if we don't, if we don't ordain you? I said, well, I could care less. God called me, not you. <laughs> he was just picking. They, that, that was seriously not happening. But, uh, but the truth of the matter is gospel's the gospel. We add to it when we say things like, oh, well, you've got to do this. Oh, well, yeah, you're saved, but now you've got to go. There. We, there's a tendency to put works into it. But no, honey, I work because I'm saved. I don't work to be saved. I don't work to gain some higher level. I don't. I got all of the Holy Spirit the moment I was saved. And I still got all the Holy Spirit today. Well, preacher, what's different? Why are you more spiritual now? Because I've matured. I've spent a lot of time in God's Word. I've got closer to Him. I've gotten more serious about the Christian life. Yeah. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. The gospel is simple. And you can have surety today. You can be sure. There's people out here that say, oh, well, maybe you're saved, maybe you're not. You can't never be sure. You'll know one day. No, I'm not working on that stuff because the Bible doesn't tell me that. The Bible tells me I can be sure. Yeah. And what's the key? These things have I written unto you. You know what we need to do? We just need to get in the Word of God. We need to study. We need to read. We need to pray. And we need to study. Do you have sure? Are you sure this morning that you go to heaven when you die? Would you surrender your life to Jesus today? Let's all stand and bow our heads. Close our eyes. I'm done. Miss Dawn, come play for us. Would you call upon the Lord Jesus and believe the